That's one song I'm glad we don't do fast. (laughs) Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. The Word at Work, question for you. What difference does the Word of God make in your lives? First, we would remember that, as Luther said, the Bible is the cradle that brings us Jesus. If I want to know about Jesus, I don't just kind of put my head down and kind of think, I wonder what thoughts. Because remember, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Those things are in our heart and in our minds. And so if we just think, I wonder what God is like, we tend to do him the favor that he did for us. Remember, he made us in his image. Therefore, when we're just thinking on our own about what God is like, we tend to do what? Make him an ours. Okay? Which means he tends to be not nearly as loving and forgiving as we think. He puts up with a little stuff, but he doesn't forgive it. He's not the holy God and the loving God that we know in Scripture. What do we know about Jesus through Scripture? Well, we know that he is a light for our path. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, He's the one that keeps us from sin. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verses eight through, or 9 through 11. And then look at the last verse for our epistle lesson for today. It says this, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And so, first thing this word of God should do is it should remind you of who you are as believers. You are God's beloved, accepted, loved, forgiven, precious to him. That word of God should remind you that you've been brought out of darkness into the kingdom of light so that you might have this wonderful work to proclaim the excellencies of him who brought you out of darkness into that marvelous light. I know you're really tempted for me just to say amen, and then we're done. (laughs) Sorry. But that would be enough, wouldn't it? Isn't that awesome? If we could just remember that. I have been speaking the last few days with a a person who's been going through some struggles with some addictive situations. He's involved in that. And it's really devastating in his life. And what I tried to to say to him is because I've gone down a similar route with some of my struggles. Do you ever have it where you confess your sins to God like we did earlier today? But then you feel like you just can't be happy. I mean, I can't be joyful. I just blew it. I just really blew it. You ever really blow it? The answer should be a resounding yes, right? Okay, so we really blow it. We do what we know we shouldn't. We don't do what we know we should. And then we... We should be having this life of penitential sorrow. We should be sorry for what we've done. Not sorry we got caught, but sorry for what we've done that's against God. Like I've never met a person who got pulled over speeding that was sorry in a godly way. (laughs) They're usually just sorry they got caught, not that they were actually doing something wrong. I remember my ticket in Fair Oaks Ranch, Texas. It was out in the country, and I was doing, what was it, 45 or 50 miles an hour, and it was 35 miles an hour out in the country. It's like, this is just a dumb... Why don't you go out and catch real criminals? 
And I was reminded, oh, that's right, I am a real criminal. I just broke the law. <laughs> okay. So what that should do is when we blow it, it should remind us to go back to God and say, please forgive me. What happens when we say, dear God, please forgive me? He forgives us. What does it mean to be forgiven? Our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. It's though we had never done it before. The young man I'm talking to continues to live under the weight and the burden of what he's done wrong. Do you know what it means when the word is at work? It means I live with joy. It means I live forgiven. It's taken me a long time to get there and I'm still not completely there yet. Do you live with joy? Do you live forgiven? Is the word of God at work in you to live that way? What I'm trying to get this young man to do, I want you to do it with me. I brought this up with the Bible class already, so if you were with me then, great. What I want you to do at a certain point when you've blown it and you confess your sins to God, then go like this. Hey, Satan, that was a really good try. You still lost, though. I belong to Jesus. That was really good. I am so impressed with you, Satan, because you both, both sides, right? You work really hard to tempt me to sin, and then when I do sin, you work really hard to say that I'm condemned now and I don't belong to Jesus. Good try. You lost. You're a, not a Lutheran, but you're a loser, Satan. You have no power over me because I'm going to boast in Jesus. And when he took my sins away, he really did. Is that how the word of God is at work in your life? Setting you free, giving you new life, giving you hope, giving you joy? Or do you go around beating yourself up forever and ever like I have done and still every once in a while kind of do? Is the word of God at work in you? You're really quiet this morning. I mean, I know you got the masks on, but is the word of God at work in you? Are you living that free, joyful new life? Awesome. I hope to catch up to you someday soon. (laughs) Romans 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of Christ. So you know what? That faith comes from hearing what? The word at work. The word at work. The word when I proclaim the message, that's important. So that, as it says in the verse after our reading for today, it says this, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the work of men, but what it really is, the word of God, okay? And then you became imitators of the churches of God, in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your countrymen as they did from the Jews. Okay? You became imitators. Remember last week? Imitators? So you became imitators. As it says in 1 Peter 2, you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Paul's coming was not in vain. It was a great success because they received God's word and it mattered. They turned to God from idols to serve the living God, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and to wait for his son from heaven, eagerly waiting for Jesus to come again. Is that word of God having that kind of impact in your life? Are you hearing it and just joyfully proclaiming what God has done for you in Jesus? And then, is it impacting your life in such a way 
that you're walking in a manner worthy of God. For me, as I'm working with this young man to kind of walk him through some things, I'm reminded of myself, I need to spend more time kind of having this conversation with Satan. Because when I have this conversation with Satan, believe it or not, it helps me to say, wait a second, I'm in a battle here. And this battle is not going to be won by me. And so whenever I look, if I just look at Satan and say, you are far greater than I am, but you're nothing compared to Jesus. I can't mock Satan on my own, but I can in Jesus. Satan, you're a lot stronger than I am, and you would win right now, except I'm in Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. The words that work in my life, I live forgiven. Bye-bye. Wouldn't it be great if we would do that when we're tempted? Am I the only one tempted here? Yes, I am. Okay, thank you. Okay. So, sorry, I'm just letting you in on me today. But there's probably a few other people out there tempted like I am. I talk to them every once in a while. In the middle of those times, you know what they need? They need a little help to remember that the battle is not theirs. It's not about just trying a little harder. You're not like really close to fully attaining the law. If you just tried a little bit harder, you get there. No, you're not even close. Timothy Keller, when he gives this sermon on how you change deeply, he says, you've got to see the immensity of your sin. When you recognize just how great your sin is and then how God's grace is greater, change can come. The words that work. Now, isn't it great if you think about John chapter 20, 24 to 31, where it's talking about, about Thomas. And he hasn't seen the Lord. He said, I will not believe unless I see. Well, you know the cool thing for Thomas? He got to see. Jesus comes and he meets him right there. And Jesus is the Word of God, the Word at work. Isn't it awesome? Jesus met Thomas right where he is, right where he was. Jesus meets us right where we are. But after Thomas says, my Lord and my God, then Jesus goes on to say something else kind of unique. Let me see if I can quick find it. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Huh. Do you know who that includes? Every one of us. You see, the disciples got to see Jesus. Paul got to see, unusually, the Jesus at work and blinding him. Everybody else, we get to hear it. And faith, as Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. We hear it. The word of God, Jesus, at work through the hearing of the word. That's why we proclaim. I have a little story for you. I'm, I'm reading some uh, two Dostoevsky books. I, I encourage you to maybe get them on your Audible or something else. They are so worth reading or listening to. One is Crime and Punishment. Now, if you read that one, it'll take you a couple months or so, but it's really it's worth it, okay? Crime and Punishment's a long book, okay? The other one's not any shorter, and that's The Brothers... Karamazov. Wow. Good stuff. Okay. In this little story. Fyodor was a wild young man. His life revolved around eating, drinking, talking, music, 
theater and the company of women. He dreamt of fame. He was caught up in a movement for political and social reform in Russia during the repressive reign of Tsar Nicholas I. He was arrested, tried, and condemned to be executed. On a bitterly cold morning, the prisoners were taken out to be shot. The prison guards raised their muskets to their shoulders and took aim. At the last moment, a white flag was raised to announce that the Tsar had commuted their sentence to life imprisonment in Siberia. On his arrival in Siberia on Christmas Eve, 1849, at the age of 28, two women slipped him a New Testament. When the guard turned away momentarily, they suggested that he should search the pages thoroughly. He did. While in prison, Fyodor Dostoevsky, the great Russian novelist, read the New Testament from cover to cover and learned much of it by heart. He wrote, I believe that there is no one lovelier, deeper, more sympathetic, and more perfect than Jesus. I say to myself with jealous love, not only is there no one else like him, but there never could be anyone like him. It was through the Bible that he had encountered Jesus. Through the word written for us, we encounter Jesus. The Bible is the cradle that gives us Jesus. Jesus is the one who is our wisdom, our hope, our life, our joy. He changes us. He transforms us. There's a little story. Luther sent out some some uh, pastors and such, and they went out and they checked on the people when the Reformation started. And they went and checked on people, and they found that the people were living lives of laxity. They didn't know the Bible. They didn't know the Ten Commandments. And so he wrote these catechisms so people would actually get in and, and know the Word of God. Well, there's a pastor up at St. Paul. His name is Brian Wolfmuller. Good pastor. And he came to Concordia, and he started uh, sharing a little story. I want to share his story with you. Very worth hearing. You see, the only safety and help against the devil, the only safety and help against the devil is to be equipped with God's word. On a catechism retreat with middle schoolers and high schoolers, he, Pastor Wolfmuller, was up in Colorado in the mountains. And there was a knoll where they would go for their campfire evening service. And there was a forest all around them. And it was dark. And the fire was there, and they were working on the Great Reformation hymn, which, again, is our celebration for next week. A mighty fortress is our God. If you guys can imagine this hymn, it's the worst of the worst horror stories. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing the demons like the Lord would pull back the curtain and we could see the demons creeping in the forest, creeping in the field, creeping through the dark, coming up the side of the knoll. Their mouths are drooling because they want to attack you and destroy you and devour you. One of the pastors afterwards said to him, nobody's going to sleep tonight. (laughs) Though the devils all the world should fill, that's the danger we're in. The danger that Luther was talking about. All eager to devour us. It's like the zombie apocalypse with the demonic forces wanting to eat us. Our enemies coming up to eat up our flesh. And what is our hope? What's our only hope? Scripture alone. We tremble not, we fear no ill. Let me read one of the verses of that song that we'll sing next week. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us. We tremble not, we fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. 
The world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. Now, there's a big fight about what that little word is. Like Luther says, there isn't one secret word that if you learn it, that the devil will run from you. No, that's not the point at all. One little word. All it takes is a word. One word of God, any word of God, pick your favorite. The word of God drives the devil insane. It drives him away. It overthrows him. Because for this reason, the Son of God was manifest, 1 John 5.18 says, to destroy the devil's work, to destroy him who has the power of death. By the Lord's word, the kingdom of darkness is overthrown and the kingdom of light has come, which it had come to the Thessalonians. When we receive that word of God and it works powerfully in our lives, as we learn about in Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4, we actually have the power to turn away from sin and to live a new life in Christ, a life in which we boast about Jesus. Now, to be like Christ, imitation, okay, he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So listen to the words from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses, verse 7 says this, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Gentle. Is that imitating Jesus? Well, listen to Matthew chapter 12. It says this when he quotes Isaiah. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Jesus, gentle. Those Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the Thessalonians, they were gentle. How about for us? Can we also be gentle? Well, yeah, the word of God reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, being affectionately desirous of you, Paul writes to those Thessalonians, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, the word of God, the word that works, but also our own selves, because you became very dear to us. It goes on to say those things over and over again. We exhorted you, we encouraged you, that you might, and we charged you that you might walk in a manner worthy of God. What's the outcome? That they regarded the word of God not simply as what people said, but as it really is, the word of God. Do we respect it the same way? I hear stories before of Thomas Jefferson would take his X-Acto knife, and whenever he came to some parts of the scripture he didn't like, he just cut them out. Now, if I looked at your Bibles, I am quite confident that there would be no X-Acto knife cutouts. <laughs> but I believe... A seminary professor told me this one time. He said, what books are in your Bible? In other words, what books will you read? What books do you not read? What chapters will you read? What chapters will you not think about? What, what power does God's word have on you? And what will you keep it from having? From a book written by Stephen Peach, 
about Martin Luther and his words to those who were going through depression. It says this, Luther built a strong relationship, mentoring relationship, father relationship with Prince Joachim, leading and coaching him in the practical spiritual life, skills he needed to deal with his depressive illness. Very noticeable is the way in which Luther, himself under considerable pressure at the time, allowed himself to be drawn into the inconvenience and mess of Joachim's crisis. He understood from his own experience the need to maintain active contact and to speak and act with truth, compassion, and patience. When the Word of God is at work within us, we are open to the idea of being inconvenienced for the sake of others. Wasn't Paul inconvenienced for the sake of those around him? Wasn't Luther? Aren't we? In order to bring three things. And I want to go through these real quick. I'm just going just the words. I'm not going to spend any more time. Just the words. Because I think you know what they are. What they mean. Truth. Compassion. And patience. I want you to say those with me. Truth. Compassion. And patience. If I'm not actively involved with people in their lives, I won't have the opportunity to share truth, compassion, and patience with them. Maybe that's what's going on in your life right now. Maybe God's giving you all these opportunities to show those things to others because the Word of God is at work within you. Yes, so that you might proclaim His excellencies. Yes, that you might trust and believe His Word when He says you're forgiven. And yes, that you might walk in a manner worthy of Jesus as you show truth, compassion, and patience to all those around you. Amen?